Athena was not joking when they said that they were going to fuck me over for this one. So did you know there are some crazy words in the English language? <sighs> Abibliophobia. Abibliophobia. Siloquent. Okay. Pneumonultra microscopic silicovolcanoconiosis. Mm hmm. Comeuppance. <laughs> Anti disestablishmentarianism. And many more. <clears throat> Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Since I love making fun of Thena, never pronouncing words right, they decided to look up every hard word in tonight's outline to flex. Meanwhile, my intro sounds like this. They were brought in through the East Coast. They actually stuck Von Brown on a train by himself. And his cover was that he was a businessman from Geneva and he wound up sitting next to an American who did business in Geneva and almost blew his cover. They were all illegal aliens at that oh, okay. time. So they took them across the border and then brought them back in. And that was when the army really puckered because they decided to walk away. Couldn't have stopped them. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. I'm Tina. And I'm Kylie. Do you want to know how to actually pronounce that word correctly? Which one? The really, really long one, the 28-letter one. The nultra microscopic... Like, I, I'm saying it correctly up to that point, right? Yeah, so it's numino-ultra-microscopic-silico-volcano-conesiosis. You almost say it like four different words. Yeah. Like, you I listen to it, it like, like 30 one, times. You can't say it like one word. Yeah, no, that's not a thing. You don't do that. So there's that. Do you know what it is? I have no idea. Something um, to uh, involve <laughs> volcanoes. <laughs> I'm kind of wrong, but I can't totally remember. But it's essentially like when you get a volcanic dust or ash in your respiratory system, I think it is. And it causes like a specific type of asthma or like lung related deficiency that hinders you because of volcanic dust itself, not just like a, like a normal asthma. It's something like that. I was looking it up. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, it's like rare, obviously. What is comeuppance? Uh, it's a British term that English people have used, but I don't remember what it was. But it it was something that you like throw in in your sentence, but I can't think of what it was. Hmm. Yeah, I was just looking up craziest words in the English language. And then I was like, right, I'll throw some of these fuckers in here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> so how are you tonight? I mean, Other I feel I feel really full, you know. Oh, it's Thanksgiving just passed. Yeah. Yeah. What was your all right? What was the best dish of your Thanksgiving? I will fuck up some corn casserole. OK, I still... love corn casserole. OK. All right. So Margie and I had pizza for Thanksgiving. I was going to say, <laughs> did you make like a like a soy <laughs> tofu turkey thing or so on thanksgiving we had pizza but then the next day we went hard we went to visit my mom and we made a tofurkey loaf that was stuffed with rice and quinoa and kale and cranberries and stuff it's like the one you get and then we we made that with gravy 
homemade mashed potatoes and we had like bread that we toasted and put a garlic spread on it and uh, a bunch of other random shit. And then we made everything but the sink kitchen cookies because my mom thought I was lying when I said that you put potato chips in them. And she's like, there is no fucking way you're putting potato chips in a cookie. And I was like, hold my apron. <laughs> and then I made them. Hold my apron. <laughs> hold my kitchen sink. <laughs> Damn, I wish I would have said that. It was so good. Um, so tonight is Operation Paperclip. 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 What is Operation Paperclip, Kylie? I no, I don't even. Do you have any idea? I or mean, is... yeah, but okay. just not enough to form a sentence about it. So I decided to do this one now because the longer I put it off, the longer this outline will get. And you guys do not want a five part on Operation Paperclip, I promise, because you don't even want a one part. But I'm still going to make you do it. <laughs> so... Operation Paperclip, once you start to fall into this hole, you can't get out. That's the, that's the first problem. Now, the second part is it it really is relevant right now. If you are a scary person fan TV, American Horror scary, Story. Scary person fan. Yeah. <laughs> so American Horror Story, the current season NYC, they talk about this with Billy Lord's character and they talk about Operation Paperclip and whitewashing. So you might have heard of it from that. But essentially, you didn't realize this, but that's what season two did also. Um, the character that is the Nazi scientist guy, they literally Operation Paperclip him. And that's what the point of the show is. And you just don't realize that that's what that season also pertains to, because there's the aliens and the tuberculosis and every other thing happening. But Hans Gruber is whitewashed. <laughs> that's how that's how she says it. Jessica Lang always is like Hans Gruber. And she says it with all the R's. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me real happy. So this episode is kind of controversial because like Operation Paperclip itself is controversial because some people are like that never happened. The U.S. military would never do anything shady. And then other people are like, well, it did. So there's that. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> um, it's a really politically heavy episode. It's also very heavy on military and war. And you got to learn a lot for this episode. So I'm going to walk you through it. It's not history before the mystery. It's history. Tonight is history. <laughs> it's all history. <laughs> it's a lot. We literally don't even come into even like, I think the 1970s. I think that's the closest we get. It's an old episode. Keep that in mind. This totally might not be your jam, but I do say you should try and listen to it because you're going to learn some really wild shit. I throw in a few trivia things tonight to make it kind of cool, but if you don't want to listen, we understand next week we're going to have the Hart family murders. It'll be back to murders and death and depression. Don't worry. This <laughs> All week, the depression. <laughs> this week, it's more like kind of like Unit 731 vibes. It's just like weird. And it's like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. What mm -hmm. the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? So um, hopefully you take a listen. If not, we'll catch you next time for the next episode. So um, I think we should start to get into it. Unless we have anything else. No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. <laughs> Operation Paperclip it is. Operation Paperclip. It's a super controversial, top secret U.S. intelligence program that essentially brought Nazi German scientists to America to harness their intelligence for Cold War initiatives. They were using, they meaning us, the U.S. government was using the knowledge from these pretty much bad guys, Nazi German scientists, and their tactics to build our U.S. own insane warfare to combat against anyone else in the world that wanted to, you know, come up against us. 
It was said that there were more than 1,500 members that ranged from scientists to engineers, technicians, and researchers that were former Nazis over in Germany that were employed now by the U.S. government. This intelligence program was formed after World War II. Now, do you like... So much history. <laughs> yeah. Do you like World War II? I mean... Ish. Okay. I am a World War II buff, guys. This is my neck of the woods. I love a lot of things war related, but specifically World War II is like my jam. I can talk to you a lot about it and a lot of stuff. Um, For one of my senior essays, I wrote actually wild. Do you want to know a trivia already? Yes. <laughs> OK, I was telling my mom and Margie about this this weekend because for some reason it like popped up in my head because I asked what this episode was about. So you know who Stalin is, right? Mm -hmm. Like the USSR, Soviet leader, Stalin, bad mm -hmm. guy, right? Right. But when you think of him, you think bad guy. Hitler's also a bad guy. These two bad guys probably got slightly along because they're both bad together, right? You want to hear the wildest thing? Hitler kind of killed Stalin's son. Okay, so let me explain really quick. So <laughs> I decided for one of my senior essays for my history course, I was going to write about uh, Sachsenhausen which is one of the Berlin-based concentration camps. And they did almost shadier shit than Auschwitz, but they had smaller numbers and stuff, so people don't concentrate on this one and people don't talk about this one as much. Now, the craziest thing that happened was out of all the people that got taken there, a lot of Soviets were taken there and a lot of Soviet POWs were taken there, prisoners of war, for those of you that aren't, you know, catching up right away. And... One of the kids that got taken there was Stalin's son, who ended up dying at this concentration camp that was ran by Hitler. Hmm. Interesting. Isn't it, though? So, bam. <laughs> um, <laughs> gotcha. Um, I think it's funny, though, because like for World War, World War Two for me is really weird because I have I'm very German. My family is very German, but oh. my mom's side is also Jewish. Oh, so oh, there's oh. there's many different like layers? stories. <laughs> yeah, layers to to where I come from. Um yeah, I can I could tell you a lot about like D-Day, Pearl Harbor, Iwo Jima, the Operation Detachment, Battle of Berlin, what was it, 1944, the Battle of Normandy. Uh 44 through 45 Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> Uh, Battle of Stalingrad was 42 through 43, I think. You don't have to hurt yourself. <laughs> I got this. I got this. Um, no, yeah, I, I really like World War II, you guys. So like I said, this episode is up my alley. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about World War II, obviously, because we we have to to make this make sense. Now, what was happening was the U.S. treated the captured allied forces that were former Nazi agents like trophies. Because they treated them like trophies that they won from the war that they could aid in making bigger and better weapons for future wars. So the U.S. is like, hey, I know you're a bad guy, but if you're a bad guy that works for me, you're no longer bad, right? Like, that's how that works. I don't think that's how that works. That's not how that works, actually. <laughs> I think you're still bad. <laughs> but if they're working for us, they're no longer the enemy. That is apparently how they saw it. I suppose. In my mind, the best... Um, the best correlation, it's not a good one, but the best one I could make here is the first Iron Man movie. Because <laughs> remember, Tony Stark's making all these big weapons. So they capture Tony Stark 
And they're like, we're going to use you to make your own weapons into bigger weapons to use against people that are using the original weapons. But in that idea, Tony Stark also has to be a Nazi. So <laughs> which he is not a little. Uh, yeah, a little far fetched. But but that, I, no, I get the analogy. Yeah, yeah, that's the closest analogy I can make that might make sense. It doesn't, but it does. No, it does. So. In a classified memorandum titled The Exploitation of German Scientists and Science and Technology in the United States, the Joint Chiefs of Staffs described the trophy men, a.k.a. these Nazi scientists that we're getting, as chosen rare minds whose continuing intellectual productivity we wish to use. Again, again with the titles. <laughs> yes, it is just the nicest way of saying, again, they're bad, but they're smart. Let's see what they can do. The U.S. was aware that some of these men had been Nazi members, SS officers, SA officers, things like that. Kylie, what does SS or SA stand for? Do you know? It's not on my cheat sheet. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were supposed to give me a cheat sheet. I, you do have a cheat sheet. It just doesn't apparently have everything. Right. Um, I gave Kylie a cheat sheet that has a lot of the things that we have to do tonight because I knew that she would not remember everything. Guys, I'm really good at English and science. Not history. Thino is really good at math and history. Right, math? No? Just, just history. history? Okay. <laughs> Don't give me lies. So, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Moving on. Um, the SS is the uh, Strutzstaffels, which are the German uh, major military organization in like a triangle hierarchy. They are towards the top because they're the organization directly under Hitler. But then when you go like another step down is going to be the SA, which is the Sturmabteilung, which is the military wing for the Nazis itself. So it's kind of like a sidestep of them. Does that make sense? Kind of. Yeah. OK. In the hierarchy, like I can picture it. <laughs> I'm trying to draw it with my hands, but no one can see that as per usual. OK, so they they knew that these men all came from these organizations, but they were deemed vital to American national security. So it's OK to ignore their past and hire them for a future. Again, not the best idea, but let's roll with it. Let's see how it goes. I think that happens a lot more than you think it does. Oh, I know it does. There is a whole word for it that the U.S. created called whitewashing because we're so shady. So Operation Paperclip itself wasn't really started until after World War Two ended. But to understand how it got to that point, we're going to begin a few years earlier and discover chemical warfare and atomic bombs. It's so, like the history before the history for the history of the history before that history. With to a figure. side of history. Right. <laughs> Just and then a I'll little give, bit. And then I'll give you some fun historical facts during it. Don't Which worry. is also history. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start in late 1938. A German scientist named Gerard Schrader was tasked with inventing a cheaper pesticide to kill the weevils that were damaging the German fields and orchards. What are weevils? Are they like weasels and... No, are they evil weasels? They're evil weasels! They're small bugs. Oh. <laughs> like what, though? <laughs> um, They're bugs that make cocoons, but I don't know what specific type of cocoon-shaped bug. Hmm. Do we have them? Yeah. I mean, they're they're prevalent in areas with or, or, or like uh, growing fruits, growing vegetables or 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 orchards, things like that. Mm. I don't know what's struggling with me talking all of a sudden. Weevils. Yeah. 
Um, by mixing phosphorus and cyanide, this man, Schrader, came up with a substance that was too toxic to use for agricultural No purposes. kidding. <laughs> cyanide. Yeah, let's do it. He created the first step in chemical warfare, sarin gas, which most people already probably know what sarin gas is, but we'll get into that more later. So Schrader's employer informed the German army of his discovery because they were like, hmm, this could be used in a bigger scheme of things, right? So some impressed army scientists dubbed the liquid tabin or also called tabin after the German word for taboo. Back in the lab, Schrader tinkered with it some more and came up with something even more toxic, which is the new form of sarin that we use to this day that can be in a gaseous or liquidized form. He, cre- he called the new substance sarin, which was an acronym for the names of the four scientists who developed it. Sarin gas is an extremely toxic synthetic compound that is colorless, odorless, and it can be a liquid or a gas, and it can be used as a chemical weapon due to the extreme potency as a nerve agent. Mm, nerve agents. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good time. For no, anyone. I'm sure it's not. The exposure is lethal. Even at low concentrations, death can occur within one to 10 minutes after direct inhalation of a lethal dose, which is very small, too. Like the lethal dose is way less than you would think it is. And people who absorbed a non-lethal dose that do not receive immediate medical treatment usually have permanent neurological damage and are paralyzed. Sounds like a really fun time. Because, I mean, it's essentially what it sounds like. Nerve agent, your nerves are being damaged. Your nerves Mm-hmm. Tell your body essentially kind of like functions. Yeah. Yeah. So like we've talked about it in the past, my face, hence how I can put steaming hot food in my mouth. I should not do that. It's bad for my mouth. But do I do it? Yes, because my body doesn't tell me not to do it because my nerves are gone. The, yeah, you, you get it. You get. Yeah, you're following along. Thank you. <laughs> By the end of World War Two, the Nazi Germany uh, forces had produced uh, 12,000 tons of the chemical compound known as sarin gas which would have been enough to kill millions of people instantly. From early in of this just happening already, this high-level military officer that found this out had pressed Hitler to use sarin gas in the war, but despite the pressure, Hitler declined. Now, fun fact time. That's fine. That's good. The reason that a lot of people in history and like history buffs say that Hitler declined is because supposedly when Hitler was in war, Someone used a sarin tub gas near him and he had some slight damage and he watched it happen to his fellow comrades that he was friends with. So he had a like fear of sarin gas and nerve agents in general because it was kind of like a knockoff sarin gas because it was Mm. before sarin gas. But he watched his friends get hurt with nerve gas and supposedly he had such a fear of this nerve gas and nerve issues in general that he refused to use it in the war because he thought, what if something backfires? I would hate to have that come back on us because of my fear of it. Now, other people are like, that never fucking happened. To this day, we don't really know if it did or didn't happen, but it's this crazy rumor that like is about. So there you go. Hmm. Fun fact number kind of two. He has said experiences. <laughs> I mean, possible experiences, whether it happened or not. I'm glad he was a pussy right then. Yes. One good time would have been interesting if it was different because it reminds me of when we talked in Unit 731, those balloons, remember, filled mm-hmm. with gas that they dumped. Yes. Imagine if he just did that dumped gas on place. It would have been even if it wasn't lethal, would have been different. People would have been in vegetables on the streets anywhere Mm -hmm. you couldn't get the gas away from you 
Like, even if you were in a house, there's no way to. Yeah. Okay. There's no safe space. There's not. So it wasn't long after this Nazi German forces were onto a secondary discovery. So that was all just the sarin gas. Now we're going to talk. So that's chemical warfare. Now let's find out something worse. December 1938, a radio chemist named Otto Hahn and Fritz Strassmann in their Berlin laboratory made their unexpected discovery. They found that while the nuclei of most elements will change somewhat during neutron bombardment, the uranium nuclei changed greatly and broke into two roughly equal pieces, creating nuclear fission. What did I say there? Does anyone know? I mean, kind of. I will tell you. (laughs) Essentially, they started realizing what was going to create a nuclear weapon. And what's the biggest, scariest nuclear weapon? The atom bomb. Atomic bombs. They're essentially starting to create step one of atomic bombs here. But they don't know that. So just wait. Scientists knew about alpha decay and beta, 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 (laughs) beta, beta decay, (laughs) beta decay. But fission was a greater importance because the discovery of that nuclear chain reaction would lead to the development of nuclear power, which would lead to nuclear weapons. And if a country could harness the power of that, they could create an atomic or atom bomb. And then the tides of war would be turned so drastically where nowhere could be safe. This discovery was less than a year before the beginning of World War Two. So. Right away, they're creating atomic bombs and chemical warfare. Yay. Obviously, we're not off to a good start being not friends with the Germans at this point. Keep that in mind. (laughs) Right. We are not allies. (laughs) The rumors and whispers of what the German scientists were doing was like abundant. Everyone started hearing rumors that they were creating these two different things, chemical warfare and like nuclear warfare slash atomic bombs. And everyone's like, oh, shit. We either need to find out and stop it or we need to become their friend. Those are the only two options at this point, right? So on August 2nd, 1939, our great friend Einstein. Yeah, Einstein. He addressed his fears of nuclear testing and weapons in a letter to President Roosevelt. He suggested that the U.S. needs to fund research to test their own war weapons to combat the German war tactics. Now, Einstein was very privy to science, but he was also very privy to militia and like war tactics. And that's something a lot of people don't realize. But Einstein quite frequently, because he was working on war weapons with science, he knew a lot about war and what was happening in the world. But people just kind of overlook that because of all of Einstein's other developments. Science. (laughs) They forget that he was technically also working on war material for America. Well, we needed it. Yeah, we did, especially because World War Two is a continuation of World War. Nope, we're not even going to start. this. <laughs> Wait until we get to World War Two and then we'll talk about it because it's a continuation of World War One, if you don't know. But I'm, I'll get to there. I'll well, get to I there. mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know, World War One. Well, it's also. Be- no, 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 no. Don't start me because I won't stop. OK, OK. <laughs> Sorry. On October 11th, 1939, President Roosevelt took the advice of Einstein and he authorized a new committee to be established. Roosevelt set up a place or a thing called the Advisory Committee on Uranium. It was a team of scientists and military officials that were tasked with researching uranium's potential as a role as a weapon. So they were thinking uranium was the key of the nuclei and the bombardment and therefore atom bombs. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of on the right track, but we didn't know we were on the right track. It was kind of just a fuck around and find out type shit. Right. (laughs) That's what science is. It really is. Actually. Which is terrifying when we're talking about atom bombs. It really is. America was trying to compete with the German scientists to make the same discoveries, but I mean, we were behind, but we weren't that far behind. 
but we wanted to not be behind so that we could be relevant in the war if needed, because we saw what happened in World War One. We didn't want the same mistakes happen in World War Two. Right. But at this point, Germany had already invaded Poland and World War Two was in the beginning stages because technically the invasion of Poland is the beginning of World War Two done by the German forces. But we're, we're, we're not there to talk about that yet. We're still going to talk about what the U.S. is doing as this is happening. So the U.S. allowed the committee to put aside $6,000 on October 21st and start their testing. Could you imagine what it was like then? Like, oh, here's $6,000. Like but, today, it'd probably be like $6 million. So that's actually $130,000. Today? Yeah. Wow. Okay. You, I said the same thing. I was like, $6,000. Damn, that's so much money. It's got to be so much more. And then I was like, wait, what? Oh, that's nothing. But it's because the U.S. was spending most money. And still to this day, this is actually kind of a thing. We spend a lot of money on the Department of Defense and not the Department of, like, offense. It's not called that. But essentially, like, it's called the Department of Nuclear Sciences and Atomic Radiation Testing Kit Approximations or something like that. (laughs) Essentially, it's it's more weapons. Yeah. We spend more on defense than on weapons. I guess. Okay, cool. I mean, sure, whatever. Well, I I get it, but also there's so many things that I know being from military, military. Yeah. And like one of the things that I will never, ever, ever, ever forget is that if you're on a submarine and you need an extension cord, that extension cord was $20,000. That's ridiculous. You can't just go to Best Buy and grab one for for 10 bucks. Like, I don't understand that. I don't understand that at all. But Moving on. Yeah. It's, uh. Money. So this project that the committee started would later became known as the Manhattan Project. Now, the Manhattan Project was the code name for an American-led effort to develop a functional atomic bomb. We are going to go through so many nicknames and military names and things tonight, guys. That's why we have a cheat sheet. I will start to abbreviate things, but every so often I will try to repeat what the abbreviations are because you might get a little confused. So far, I've been laying everything out in the real terms instead of abbreviating. But you guys are going to get sick of me saying them again. So I just keep that in mind. Now, the Manhattan Project was started in response to fear that the German scientists had been working on the weapon using nuclear technology since the 1930s. They were afraid that Adolf Hitler would prepare to use this weapon. They weren't sure really like how far in development it was or even like what was happening But they heard all those rumors and that scared them enough into getting their shit together because Einstein told them they needed to. So the advisory committee that we had just talked about a minute ago, the advisory committee on uranium, you know, that was changed its name in 1940 to become the National Defense Research Committee before then again being renamed in 1941 to OSRD, which is the Office of Scientific Research and Development. Could you imagine living at that time and just being scared all the time? Well, and that's when people started building bunkers and bomb shelters and stuff. It honestly makes me think of Fallout because I'm stupid, but it makes me think of Fallout. Um, Am I crazy? Maybe I'm having a fever dream here. Isn't there a movie where I want to say maybe even as Brendan Fraser, but maybe it doesn't. But a guy in some time period goes into a bunker, a bomb shelter and he thinks that America's wiped out. And so he's just watching reruns all the time. 
And he like has like a little golfing range down there and stuff, I feel like. But he's living in it all this while. And it's in like someone's backyard. But really, nothing ever ended up happening. And I don't remember if it was fear of a bomb or Y2K or what it was. That's a movie, isn't it? It's a movie. Yeah. And I want to say it was a Brendan Fraser movie, but I could be. I don't know. I just feel like I remember seeing it on TV. Yeah, we got to look it up. Blast from the Past starring Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. I think it's Alicia. I asked her this one time and I still say it wrong. That's the movie I'm thinking of. It's from 1999. Christopher Walken's in it. He spent 35 years in a nuclear fallout shelter and then he all of a sudden like comes up one day because someone like opens it or something. You know what else it makes me think of? And if you haven't seen it, then it's Kimmy Schmidt rough, but no lost. Oh, yeah. Very similar. Yeah. When the guy that's in the bunker comes he's out. like that alarm goes off and yeah <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> also that's kind of the, the focal point of um the um, whatever the impossible kimmy schmidt or whatever it's called that one is about three or four girls where they join a cult in a sense because they follow a reverend down underground because he tells them that the world is ending they go down and it takes place in Indiana. Go figure. And <laughs> of course he keeps them down there for like 10 years or whatever. And then one day they accidentally just kind of like decide to poke their heads up and they realize nothing ever happened. And that's the whole point of the TV show. And people call them the mole women of Indiana in the show and stuff. It's very funny. The mole woman of Indiana. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, but yes, so this is that time period. I know we're laughing, poking fun right now, but it's because the concept of a... Of, of a bomb shelter. Like I get it, a panic room. Some people do that. Mm-hmm. But a bomb shelter sounds so ridiculous. It's terrifying though, because you're just like, you don't have the types of things that we have now yeah. to be like in touch with things. True. So like you're like, oh yeah, we went to war with those guys. They really don't like us. <laughs> we know that they're cooking up something mm-hmm. we don't know what we don't know how we don't know when but something may or may not happen and everything's through word of the mouth we have to remember like yeah. you're literally just trusting all your information is correct through word of mouth because that's all you have or the news but it's just like that's mm. just ridiculous yeah so i'm i've been mentioning world war ii obviously i have not shut up about it <laughs> and i mentioned how it began with the invasion of poland so Hitler's invasion of Poland in September of 1939 drove Great Britain and France to declare war on Germany. That was marking the beginning of World War II. That's also a controversy. Some people say that's not the true beginning of World War II. But like it is. And if you say <laughs> it isn't, you're yeah, I'm I'm just going to give you the, the moment here to tell you you're wrong because that's what the driving force is, is this invasion. Now, people forget Hitler was an elected official in Germany, like People chose to elect him and voted for him. Right. They thought he was the best of the best and they wanted him in a high ranking standings. Unfortunately. So how did that happen? You're wondering. It's kind of because he rose because he used the platform and he talked a lot and the things he was promising were great. Now, in the beginning stages of his power, it was January 1933 and he was named the Chancellor of Germany. And he ran on the platform of saying he wanted to restore Germany after the events of World War One. I. I wanted to kind of clarify what a chancellor is, because the only thing I can think of is the onceler from the Lorax. And I don't want you getting confused. 
You're not wrong. Doesn't it sound similar? Yeah. Like I think of the one slurk. Yeah. Okay. Well, a chancellor determines who will be in the government and single-handedly has the right to form the cabinet. So that is like bigger than our president, very clearly, because the chancellor can choose his ministers. Ministers? Yeah, ministers. I thought I said the wrong word there. He can also make a proposal that's binding for the federal president and picking and choosing who the federal president is, in a sense. It is one of the most powerful positions you can have in any country, they say. They say that the chancellor is almost more important and has more rights than a king or queen of a nation. Dang. That's a lot of power, which can easily lead to a power of control because you can make the choices of who's in your government and who your government party members are. And so not only are you in control of that, but they're in control of all the choices. And now you're in their ear. Like you see how this can easily go wrong. Yeah. And they were like, well, Hitler's promising to make everything better. So let's elect him to that. And he'll elect other good people to all the other positions. And then we'll have a really good uh, government and everything will be great. How could this go wrong? Sounds very rigged. But if you truly thought that Hitler was a good guy and you did this, it makes sense. That sounds... I I guess, but I would never, ever, ever want to give any one person that much power. Oh, no, I wouldn't either. That sounds like it wouldn't work. And it doesn't, obviously. Um, But they now you can see how Germany thought Hitler was a good choice was because if you're being lied to like that and you really think that he's going to do your country justice... Okay, I get it. I hate to say it. I, I, I get it. I feel bad for the people of Germany at this point because right. they're thinking that this is only going to go uphill. And then there's Hitler. Then it really, really doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't, actually. <laughs> I don't know like, if you guys know what this is alluding to, but... badly. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Hitler is our top... He might be number one on our top ten villain list, guys. Maybe. He might be up, he might be up there. So Hitler used the idea of restoring Germany because he knew the Germans discontent that existed after World War One, because at the end of World War One, the Treaty of Versailles was signed and that treaty placed almost all the blame on Germany. And it required them to start paying large amounts of reparations and forcing the country to disarm themselves. So Germany was like embarrassed, angered, humiliated, you know, which is not a good look for German people. German people are kind of angry. If you guys don't know, they have a very angry language. <laughs> really angry. <laughs> so due to this feeling and the state of Germany at the time, it's easy to see how World War II became part of World War I. And it was just a... <laughs> it was what? Just, <laughs> it went from one to the other. So I talked about the invasion, right? So World War II was classified as starting on September 1st, 1939. That's my sister's birthday. Not 1939. Right. September 1st. Right. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry about that. My sister is not born in 1930, I promise. Okay, (laughs) so it was starting on September 1st, 1939, and it ended on September 2nd, 1945. It was a six-year war that caused mass death tolls. World War II involved all the world's major countries, and it was the most destructive war in so far like history. During the war, approximately 60 million people died. The Holocaust alone claimed multiple millions of lives. The war was fought between two different teams, pretty much the Axis and the Allies. So the Axis was known as Germany, Japan and Italy mostly. And the Allies was Britain, the U.S. and the Soviet Union. 
In the end, Germany surrendered in May of 1945, but Japan did not surrender until September. That's why people say it ends on September 2nd. Oh, I talk about how much I love World War II right here in the notes. (laughs) I was ready to talk about World War II, guys. But let's move on from that. (laughs) On June 22nd, 1941, during the midst of World War II, there was a thing that took place called Operation Barbosa. No. Barbosa is the guy <laughs> from fucking Pirates of the Caribbean. And I got so excited to say that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very close. Barbarossa. Yeah. Yeah. It's Barbarossa. And I knew that. Yeah. But Barbosa is such a good. It's Captain Barbosa. <laughs> this was the invasion of the Soviet Union by Nazi Germany and many of the Axis allies. This operation opened up the Eastern Front and it held some of the history's largest battles, the most horrific atrocities. Atrocities. <laughs> That's how we pronounce it. Atro- okay. <laughs> and the highest casualties. You know what this is? Payback? Yeah, it's karma. It's karma <laughs> for my intro. <laughs> the most normal words I'm fucking up here. The Germany Armenies. No. <laughs> I thought I could just rescue the sentence. Yeah. How's that going for you? <laughs> it didn't really go anywhere. The German armies. There you go. Too many letters there. They eventually captured some of 5 million Soviet Red Army troops during the event of Captain Operation Barbosa Rosa. <laughs> Barbosa Rosa. Yeah. The Nazis deliberately starved to death or killed 3.3 million Soviet prisoner of wars, POWs, and millions of civilians that they called the Hunger Plan. And that was to solve German food shortages and help exterminate the Slavic population through starvation. What better way to cure starvation? Just kill a bunch of people and you won't have as many people to feed. feed. Okay. Okay. I, I get it. I do. No, I get it. It doesn't. It doesn't make it right. It's that TikTok sound where it's like, it's it's a great joke. It re- it's a great joke. I get it, but it's not. That's this. Okay. It's I get it, but no. It's not, it's not just because you think it's a good idea doesn't mean it's a good idea. Yeah, it's you not guys, a good idea. You're not being a good person. There are better solutions. Yes. There were mass shootings and gassing operations that were carried out by Nazis during this time as well. Most of us know about all those. However, in the end, the operation was a failure and the failure of Operation Barbarossa. God, I just want to say Barbosa. (laughs) It reversed the fortunes of Nazi Germany. Germany was now at a great disadvantage, having failed to conquer the USSR. And that failed conquest had depleted most of the German resources. So it was unprepared to defend against the greater Germanic Reich against the Red Army's westward counterattack. You got it. You did it. Yeah, I didn't want to. Clearly, my mouth did not want to move in those letters. (laughs) Due to the setbacks, Germany wanted a new plan of attack. So by early 1943, the German government began recalling a large number of scientists, engineers and technicians from the war front. These men and women had returned to work in research and development to continue making new weapons to try and push back allied forces again, like the U.S. Great Britain. Those those people, those people, those ones. The Nazi government recalled their intellectuals, you know, scientists, technicians, all those people for scientific work that that first required identifying and locating the people, though, because obviously they were trying to hide these people so that they would not get captured. 
So they were all over the place and didn't actually know where they were. No, not at all. So what's the best thing to do there? Make a list that could fall into the hands of other people. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) So a man named Werner Ossenberg, who was an engineer scientist heading the... Wow, that is a word. All right. It is the Forshung Skamin Shaft. Okay. Yep. And that was what it was called. It recorded the names of the politically cleared men to the Ossenberg list, and then it would reinstate them for scientific work. Why didn't they just call it the science list? The scientist list. List of scientists that are able to work for Nazi. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Not whatever that is. Try it one more time. Just do it yourself. It almost looks Chinese. Because the shung. Yeah. I see that. But then the mind shaft says mind no. Mind shaft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. This was codenamed also smission. That's much better, too. Well, that's because. Why the is also also's list? <laughs> well, the also smission is the British and United States version of what's happening. Oh, so okay. they made their Ossenberg list. But now we're doing the also mission that is to find the Ossenberg list. Right. So you see where these things are starting to line up. Mm-hmm. Now, the also mission was an organized effort by a team of British and United States military, scientific and intelligence personnel to discover Emory and Emory. Thank you, Nemo. Enemy scientific developments during World War Two. The ALSOS mission's goal was to learn how close Germany was to developing atomic weapons and nuclear weapons because we knew they were doing it, but we wanted to find out how close because we're still working on rumors. Right. That's. Mm, and that's yeah, that's not enough to go by. We need no, to know if we're terrifying. in a fight with these people. Right. Like, you don't go to a gunfight without knowing you need to bring a gun. Right. You do your due diligence. Yeah. The ALSOS mission of the Manhattan Project was conducted in three phases. Phase one, Italy. Phase two, France. Phase three, Germany. Sounds like a fun backpacking adventure. Right. Let's take let's me along. do it. Like, let's eat at all the places. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which if you. OK, fuck, Mary kill Italian food, French food and German food. Oof. I would. I mean, you got to fuck Italy food, right? What? No, I'd fuck French food. No, I'd marry marry French. I'd marry French food. And I'd kill German. Oh, that sucks. I do love German food. No, I do too. Okay, wait. If Russian food was on here, then that would be a little different. I do love me some Russian food. Or like Polish food. Ooh, Polish food. Yes. Yum. Polish food. That's where it's at. Kill American food. I could give two shits about American food. I agree. Yeah. Although, wait. Is Oreos American food? Oh, no. Well, maybe I'll fuck them once or twice. I am sure <laughs> that I'm sure the they French ha- have much better versions of oh, and anything. also German Sweet. snack food, amazing. Really? Oh my god, they have a lot of really good snack foods. Huh. I had a friend come back from Germany, and she brought a big box and like swedish and german candies oh my god okay we are so off the point but But food if anyone ever goes overseas and wants to bring us home some candy and foods talk to us we'll 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 do it live we'll We'll eat all of it live like come on come on go visit places there's a reason we're called cryptic soup yeah we just like food (laughs) we like food a lot Now, the these three phases had different objectives, so I'm going to go through each one real quick. 
the and all this will tie together to create Operation Paperclip. But if I just tell you what Operation Paperclip is, you guys are gonna be like, I don't fucking understand anything. So just bear with me, please. It'll all make sense in the end. It is really the history of the history of the history of the history of the history before the mystery. Yeah. We promise. <laughs> it just just it's still also a part of history. Please listen to this. The episode. mystery is the history. I took a lot of time to do this episode and I really like it. Okay. <laughs> the objective of the first Alsos mission in Italy was to obtain advanced information regarding scientific developments and enemy research and development to a- secure all important persons, laboratories, and scientific information immediately on becoming available. That's all. That's it. That's all, though. <laughs> That's all, folks. That's all. So it was more kind of figuring out where things are at and just even seeing what is available like phase just, one is figuring out all of the information that we don't know yes now because the members of alsos teams were usually going behind enemy lines to search for information they weren't really told any details about what was happening otherwise in their one specific area of the manhattan project because if they were captured then they couldn't reveal anything because they literally know nothing torture them as much as you want they literally can't tell you what they Which don't is know so fucked up it is really fucked up, but I also understand no, yeah, their understand. goal here. Yeah. It's the smartest, worst thing to ever happen there. Yeah. <laughs> sucks for them. It really sucks for them. Don't get captured. Yeah. I guess that's your incentive to not get captured yeah. right there. Because don't get captured because you don't have any leverage, because you don't know anything other than this one thing. So that's good it. luck. Have good fun. Luck. <laughs> Do you guys need new boots? We'll give you new boots. <laughs> we'll give you new boots. <laughs> One of the primary objectives of the Alsos 2 mission was the College of France, because now we're in France for the second part, right? So this was in Paris, where Frederick Jouillet Cour held his laboratory. And Jouillet, Jouillet, okay, he was willingly assisted by his interrogators, interrogators, whoo, gators. Gators. <laughs> interrogators. <laughs> That's what it sounded like I said, so I had to emphasize it. <laughs> Many felt that he couldn't be trusted entirely. However, he did say something that was pretty important. He confirmed that he believed. So it's not even like a full He confirmed his belief. He confirmed his own (laughs) belief that the Germans had made little progress towards actually harnessing atomic energy. Now, he's actually kind of right, but we don't know that yet. So we're like, oh, we don't fucking trust him because he's not even sure. Now. Part two was supposed to lead directly into part three because, you know, it goes one, two, three, not one, two, two and a half, three. It goes one, two, three, you know, how numbers work. But we couldn't move into phase three, Germany, because of a late hesitation in 1944 due to something very vital that I've already mentioned. Kylie, take a guess. You've already mentioned it. Mm hmm. Uh, Chemical warfare. No. Battle of the Bulge. Now, Battle of the Bulge. Why is it named that, Kylie? I don't know. Because of the bulge shape. That sounds kind of silly, but here's what happened. They went around the force and created a bulge-like shape and came in from the back so that they could surprise people. Ha ha, we're here. You thought we were coming in the front door. We came in the back. Yeah. Because it was like a valley and a forest. I've said this before, but I really wish that I could take history now that I actually fucking care about it. (laughs) Because like, yeah, when I was... A wee little, a wee little <laughs> child. I did not give a fuck about any of this. See, and now and I would pay money too to see what a history book looks like now. They're not that great. I look through my nieces. I'm very thoroughly depressed because they yeah. cut out some very vital things in life. Like from 
from everything these areas or yeah yeah my niece did not her entire history book did not have a single thing about d-day either not a single thing about d-day i said what (laughs) i said what (laughs) (laughs) yeah you heard it here first guys it's it's a shame maybe we should all just homeschool our children on that same note i tried to my my girlfriend and i went up to uh chicago Two weeks ago, a week ago, something like that. Yeah. So we went up for some fun and I was like, what do you want to do while we're in Chicago, babe? Anything you want? And she's like, yeah, like, let's do some fun things. We could go to the planetarium. We could do this. I was like, yeah, we could also go to the Holocaust Museum. (laughs) She's just like, I mean, fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want to do. I mean, like, (laughs) I'll do whatever you want. But like, is that what you want to (laughs) do on our vacation? Could you imagine if. Like teachers actually had any say on what they were teaching, right? What type of world we would live in? Mm-hmm. I'd be a great history teacher. I, I feel to... like there would be a lot more common sense, guys. I guys, really wanted guys, to be a history there teacher. There is not. There is not a lot of common sense in this world. My 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 goal in life is to be a history teacher. Do it. No fuck no, kids. Fuck those fuckers. <laughs> fuck that. Do it. Fuck no. College level. Yeah. No. I don't. Fuck those kids. Those are even worse. They fucking think they know more than you. Those little fucking fuckers. Yeah, but then you can prove them wrong. If I can. I don't know. I, I would be forgetting shit. Because <laughs> you're old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, anyways, we did not go this time, by the way, to there because we decided to get food instead. And they were very opposite directions where we wanted to eat. But our goal is in the next like two or three months, we're going to go up to the Holocaust Museum. It's up. Uh, I like how you keep saying up, but it's definitely down. Chicago is up ish. It's left. <laughs> it's left. <laughs> um, it's not up. Because it's up past Schaumburg. So, I mean, it's it's kind of up there. It's a little uppity. It's upper, it's upper where we are. It's up more. We're here and it's like here. I got to go down to go up, but I still got to go up. I got to go down because there's a lake. I can't drive on that, apparently. Are you sure? I'm just moving on. <laughs> Fuck this. I want to go to the Holocaust Museum. That's all. By the way, uh, in case you guys were wondering how intense my love for this stuff is, is I have went to um, numerous Holocaust museums and stuff like that. And I also went in Washington, D.C. to a lot of the World War II museums and stuff like that. I went at a very young age. I'm talking like middle school because I was just so excited to do this. My mom was terrified for me because I went without her. And um, it sounds like I ran away from home. I didn't. I went with friends and stuff. Okay. anyways, um, I also was so obsessed that for one of our schools like uh, functions, I talked my school into allowing a concentration camp survivor who still had their numbers and everything tattooed on them to come speak at our school and stuff. It made a lot of the students cry. I was stoked. I got to meet the person. It was like not like happy, but like it was one of the greatest experiences in my life because I got to learn things I never would have known. And did you go to the reenactment in St. Joe? Uh, no, but I have gone to one, but I went to one uh, more south. Um, I think I went to one either in southern Indiana or northern Kentucky, something like that. Those are really cool. They're wild, but yeah, she also had like photos of her family members and stuff like that. I've I've gotten to see and do some pretty interesting things. Uh, I went to that huge Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., where you walk in and they assign you a number and then you have to go through and see if you made it out or not. Um, I uh, was like the first one that died. I died of like a disease before even getting there. I died on the train. So like, you get an actual like number of someone that, that would did. have had the number and then you live their life. Yeah. Yeah, I died on the train before I even got to the camp, though. That's probably better. So then I had to just and 
uh, once you died, you were supposed to like sit out, but I would have had to sit out the entire museum. So they just instead let me walk in silence. Right. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm cool with that. Like, this is let me learn. amazing. Yeah. yeah. I was one of the only kids that was really into it. Okay. So Battle of the Bulge, that's where we left off. Yes. Kylie didn't know. Okay, so Alsos 2 is now getting delayed because of Battle of the Bulge. So instead of getting to go through and enter Germany for Alsos 3, we actually stayed in Alsos 2 mission, which is great that we did that, actually, because we didn't get all the information we really wanted, but we were just, you know, rolling on to the next part. But because we waited, we got some more information. So... What happened was we decided that we were going to start going through documents because this is the U.S. and the British forces at this point. So I'm calling us a we. Um, So we started going through documents further since we couldn't start Alsos 3. And that's when we realized that the Nazis were dealing more with biological and chemical warfare and not nuclear warfare. So that guy was right the whole time. So I wasn't wrong. Yeah, like it was kind of like (laughs) he's not wrong. He just forgot to tell us that other little thing about, you know, the chemical warfare the scary part yeah which almost is worse it reminds me of that cult is it ashinrikyo mm-hmm. in japan that dropped it on the the trains and if they would have succeeded with that chemical bomb the chemical bomb in japan on the subway just look it up it'll tell you exactly we'll cover it someday okay on october 26 1944 some of the alsos team members set up on october what i say it's oct it's november what <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's november guys yeah <laughs> i think i saw the big o for on and so right. it said october <laughs> on november 26 1944 some alsos team members set up camp in one of a top nazi developmental scientist home named e hagen in strasburg and they're the scientist from our side so the also scientists were told they couldn't leave until they read all the documents in the home to try to find out what the german forces were up to so they're all the scientists are all in a german house with as many people like protecting them in this house outside in a german area where a very important developmental scientist lived who just happens to be gone because what happened was he heard they were coming for him and he was afraid that they would take him. So he instead fled and he just happened to leave all of his shit behind because he thought, well, if I'm gone, they won't look for me. But instead they were like, well, if you're gone, we're just going to go through your shit. Right. Yeah. What the number one thing that you do if you're going to get caught is bomb your house. Right. Set it it on fire. Something. Yes. To get rid of all evidence. Get rid of evidence. This man clearly did not he know the mission. He thought that he was more important than yeah. all of that information. Which is, I mean. I mean, you are important, but not that important. Sir, we could get almost as much from your information as we could from you because we or are even, our own scientists. Or even more, because how much do you actually remember when you're writing everything down? Yeah, and we might look at these and be like, well, that's the start of a blueprint. I actually know how to do the end of the blueprint. Now we stitched it together in a sense the alsos mission members were told that the university of strasbourg was a nearby and it was being used as a developmental area for research and production of biological and chemical weapons so literally they're using the university as a factory for weapons not for students fuck that fuck the students (laughs) the nazis took over this area and it became a factory for weapons and research there was later a letter discovered from Hagen, that guy in the apartment, to another Nazi party member 
from November 15th, 1943. The letter discussed how they used humans for testing. That's a big piece of information for a few reasons. It shows that they have no remorse. It also shows that they're light years ahead of us. And that's going to sound like I'm promoting human testings and I'm not. But just wait. I'll say why it's important. It essentially taught the Alsos mission that the Nazi party is doing trials on humans. And that's a new discovery because they had never heard this. Now, here's why it's ahead. If they're testing on humans instead of animal subjects, it'll lead to more accurate results, which is cutting down the time of their research and their development almost in half. Because now they'll right away see if it works instead of testing on animal, retesting it, retesting it, just to then find it, to test it on a human, then to retest it, retest it to get it right. Instead, they're doing Deadpool and they're like, fuck around. We'll just test on the humans. Fuck around and find out. Mm hmm. So with that being the case, they were also like, well, shit, they already are higher development than us. But then we found something else out. Their scientists were being paired with doctors. So while they're testing and creating these like strains of chemicals and biological issues, they're doing this on a human subject. So already their time is cut in half. Keep in mind, they have a doctor who's also there right next to them, developing a solution and a vaccine so that they could use it on their own soldiers to protect them. So they're doing step A, B and C all at, all once. at the same time. And Hagen specifically was a specialist in creating vaccines. So he was working on protecting the Nazi soldiers to cut the research. So they were like, that's why we got to go through his stuff. Because even if we can't find out what they're doing, if we see his research on the vaccines, we know what they're preparing for. Or possibly, yeah, yeah, creating. And then we could also steal the vaccine. Yeah, no, dude, you're not important. Your stuff is. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really insane concept of yeah. why they wanted to use human like i am in zero way any of this episode promoting the nazis keep that in mind fuck it fuck a nazi and a, no not fuck a nazi you know what i'm saying here <laughs> <laughs> that went out wrong right anyways but the thoughts that they have is they're so atrocious and they're so fucking vile but wow are they light years ahead they knew what they were doing mm -hmm. to create the worst things possible the worst things. And they succeeded so well. What fucking fuckheads? <laughs> fuck. Fuck. <laughs> I hate Nazis. Okay, moving on. I'm so sorry. Alsos 3. The Alsos 3 mission began when Allied forces entered Germany on February 24th, 1945. The point of this part was to find, detain, and interrogate as many Nazi scientists and researchers as possible. The Alsos third mission realized that it was not wanting the information and these people to fall into the hands of the Soviet Union. So it was the beginning stages of Operation Paperclip, but they didn't even know that yet. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, spooky. Because even though right now we're kind of like on the same side of the Soviet Union, we still don't trust them. We're right. only on their side because they have more money and weapons and like Britain kind of likes them. And we want to be friends with Britain. So I guess we got to be friends with Britain's friends. But really, like, uh, we don't like them. But our only other choice is Japan. But Japan's friends with Germany. Well, we don't want to be friends with Germany. So we can't be friends with Japan. OK, well, we can't be friends with Italy because Italy's friends with Japan. And Japan's friends with Germany. Fuck, we got to be friends with the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> like, because no one wants to be friends with Australia. What the fuck are they doing? They're just going to send goddamn kangaroos with hats on to the fucking warfare. With hats? Why hats? I don't know. They need a little protection up top. 
Oh, like a little helmet? <laughs> yeah, a little helmet. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and a backpack for their little parachutes. Okay. So, yeah, fucking, I guess we have to be friends with the USSR right now. Now, on March 14th, 1945, America started a bombing raid on Japan's southern port of Osakara. Then, on March 15th, around 3 p.m., the Allied forces dropped 1,500 tons of explosives around the 10 miles northwest of Berlin at the city of Orenburg. I've also heard pronounced Orenburg. And it's the area that is said to have the most German research on it. You said Osakara, but it does say Osaka. Or, so- or Osaka. Osaka. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. It is Osaka. I'm okay. sorry. That was just my brain doing what it wanted. I just don't know what to do with it some days. <laughs> it has to apparently stay in my head. <laughs> really? Fucking soggy meat patty up there. You can't be like. Um... Actually, your brain's not really meat, is it? Isn't it just like soggy jelly kind of with like fatty and proteins? Well, it's still like. But it's not meat, really. I mean, you can eat it, I guess. but. I mean, I could eat it. I would be dead if I ate my own brain, but I could eat yours or something. Right. But supposedly that makes you go mad. I don't know. I don't feel like a brain would taste that good. I don't like the texture. Oh, no. Don't want the texture. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) The idea of eating a brain. (laughs) Hard pass. Hard pass. Moving on. Now, similar to how. So right now they're bombing things to get rid of evidence. They're already a step ahead of the fucking dumbass again. Right. (laughs) But similar how to the University of Strasbourg was used as a factory, the University of Bonn was doing the same thing. There were reports that the university workers were burning the documents to get rid of evidence, like out on the front lawn. I'm talking like bringing shit outside or lighting entire classrooms on fire. Okay. All to get rid of evidence at the university. But they were also doing other other really stupid things. They weren't just burning things. To get rid of crucial documents, they were shoving them in the toilets. That doesn't sound like a good idea. You can only shove so much down it. A- right. Okay. But then does it, it does it get rid of it? No, no, not right away. No, this is not. Okay, well, that's their method and they're sticking to it. Okay. You would think for scientists, these people would be <laughs> Right. Smarter. Wait, these people are supposed to be smart. In March of 1945 at Bonn University, a Polish laboratory technician found pieces of a thing called the Ossenberg List stuffed in a toilet. Mm-hmm. Now you see finally how this all, what's, what does Kronk say? It's all coming together. <laughs> Kronk. Isn't that what he says? It's all yeah. coming together. No. Yeah, I love him. So this list was transmitted to the U.S. intelligence forces. And then the U.S. Army Major Robert Stauber used the Ossenberg list to compile his list of German scientists to be captured and interrogated. It's got to be a shitty list. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good one. Good job. Here you go. I don't want to. don't want to touch it. Here you go. A little dirty, a little moist, if you will. Moist. Um, the Allied Forces military was searching for the scientists and engineers, but they made another discovery because that's all that's happening left and right is discoveries. discoveries. The British soldiers had found a large development of something called Tabin, a.k.a. a sarin-like chemical, while they were searching the Farben laboratories. These labs were on German-Polish borders and uncovered there was 175 forested bunkers that were storing aerial bombs with powerful nerve substances. Mm. Mm -mm. the british military called in the american army chemists they then tested the chemical and found out one single drop on the skin would kill a rabbit in minutes 
and they have this stuff connected to bombs that they are going to drop. That seems bad. That Yeah, bad. Just yeah, we'll like, go with bad. Like, not good. Definitely not. No. <laughs> but imagine if they instead put in those, like, pomegranate juice, and then they just mm-hmm. let everyone drink pomegranate juice. Yeah. Well, I guess that would stain a lot of things. It All would. right, rosé. Cr- that would stain, too. <laughs> rosé doesn't stain that bad. Wear something dusty gold pink and everyone come outside <laughs> for the raining of rosé. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the rosé rain. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Although pomegranate juice would be kind of funny because they would think it would be a lot worse. But then you're like. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I smell it now. So well, it's, kind of, it's kind of nice. It smells, it tastes good. Uh, that's I'm good. I'm like, I like this. I wish it had something chunky and we could be like, we're going to blow your mind, dude. Have you ever heard of the seeds? <laughs> right. The seeds. <laughs> the seeds. <laughs> the seeds will come later. We don't want it to rain pomegranate seeds. I hope it doesn't come later. Jesus Christ. (laughs) As World War II was entering its final stages, the American and British organizations teamed up to go through and disbrand the German military, scientific and technological developmental research teams. However, this is where the selfish desires started coming in because we wanted to harness those goody two-shoe things for ourselves. Right. Around July 1st, 1945, the U.S. focused on the Soviet occupational zone. Many German research facilities and personnel had been evacuated to these states, fearing that the Soviet takeover would limit the U.S. the ability to exploit German scientific and technical expertise and not wanting the Soviet Union to benefit from it because we were still kind of in a race to space with the Soviet Union, remember? Right. So, and like the Cold War shit and stuff. So like, yeah, like I said, we're, you know, chill with keep the Soviet friends, Union. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah, but yeah. like we're we're crossing our fingers behind our back every time we shake their hands. Right. So the United States instigated evacuation operation of scientific personnel from these areas. The Allied Forces, which is us, we're the good guys. In, in our minds, I mean, really, we are, but I'm just trying to say in our minds at this time, we're also the good guys. Right. So the Allied Forces, you know, the UK, us, USSR, were establishing groups such as the Combined Intelligence Oper- Objective Subcommittee called the COS, C-I-O-S. And groups such as the COS began confiscating war-related documents and materials, also interrogating scientists also seizing German research facilities. The COs provided the information on targets in the scientific and military roles that would be vital for allied forces to control. So see, originally they were just like, hey, we want to know where these people are so they can't do anything. But now we're like, we want to know where they are and maybe we'll just borrow them. Can we just just borrow him for? I'm gonna need your brain for two seconds here. Thank you. Just like give us the info, and that's all I need. But you also have to pinky promise us you won't give the info to anybody else, no matter how much they pay you. No, 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 no. no, no. We'll we'll pay more. We'll pay more. Groups such as the COs began confiscating war-related documents or materials, interrogating scientists, and seizing German research facilities. The COS was providing information on targets in the scientific and military roles that would be vital for allied forces to control. So the initial priorities of all this information was to advance technology, find out what technology had been passed on to Japan in terms of weapon development, and to halt any enemy research. Oh, you wanted to do more research? (laughs) Stop right there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
One of the groups was codenamed Project Safe Haven, and this was established to stop the immigration of German scientists to areas such as Spain, Argentina, or Egypt, all of which sympathized with Nazi Germany. Okay. I'm so sorry, guys. We got to have a tangent here real quick. (laughs) It's not even a fun fact. It's a tangent. All right. So if you don't want to listen to this, that's cool. I guess fast forward like 30 seconds. My TikTok taught me something crazy right now. Two crazy things have popped up on my TikTok feed lately that are just fucking wowing the shit out of me. And I started researching it myself and I didn't know if I wanted to bring this up in a 411 or what. But if anyone else has heard about this and has fallen into these holes of research, let me know because I'm fucking over the moon right now. Okay, so in the past, I taught me how TikTok taught me about that uh, country that is three years behind because of their Mayan calendar. Well, now I found other crazy holes. They think that the Sphinx, like the thing in Egypt, the big statue Mm -hmm. was there like hundreds of thousands of years before the Egyptians were. So that would mean that the Egyptians didn't build it. So there was another colony or like people that lived in Egypt before them that even predated their like ancestors and stuff. And it's like this big deal right now. The archaeologists are trying to find out who built it and who the original settlers were in that area. That's wild, right? You ready for the other one? Even wilder, even wilder. Anyone that likes dinosaurs, stay tuned here. They found a part of a bone that could be part of a shoulder blade of a T-Rex that leads us to believe that T-Rex's arms are normal sized. And no, the bigger problem. The thing that we've always thought was their arm bone is actually on their back and it's part of a wing. But their body mass is too big, like Godzilla, that they can't actually fly or something like that. Like, so the thing is, is they now think that T-Rexes have normal length arms and wings, potentially. No. And we are still trying to figure out. But really, it was just a mistake that was made a few years back. And it slightly does make sense because one thing they've always messed with is that the wrist bent slightly wrong for a T-Rex. But if it's not the wrist and that's part of the wing, it makes sense because it's how the wing would flap open and closed. Isn't that fucking terrifying? We got to remake all the Jurassic movies now. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Goldblum, you can't take a break. But the little arms. I know. That's kind of sad because those are cute. (laughs) But at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, thank God those are fucking extinct. Imagine a T-Rex with normal size arms. That's even scarier because that's essentially what the thing in Jurassic World is that -hmm. they create. That's fucking terrifying. That tries to if the fucking water animal doesn't come and chomp it at the end of the movie. (laughs) That's fucking terrifying. Right. So the water animal thingy thingy is terrifying. Oh, yeah. I don't fuck with things in the water. No, no fucking way. Nope. Although I do kind of want to see an angler fish in real life. It could be dead like in a museum, but I do want to see one in real life. I just want to see like their teeth and everything. Doesn't Shed have one? No, they don't. I thought they did too. I definitely thought. I looked. I looked so much last time and I asked and they told me they didn't. Mm. And it could be a seasonal thing that they put in and out, but. There you go, guys. I'm sorry. My tangent's done. But if you guys have fallen into any of these holes, talk to me. Or if you guys have your own crazy holes you fall, fall into. Fell into. Fell. fell. Mm-hmm. There's the word fallen. Fallen fell. Into? Let me know. Uh, I got to tell you guys, my TikTok's wild all over the place from mental illness to like amazing history 
to the craziest stuff. I fell into a video the other day that stumbled across my feed that you guys would all fucking be like, of course, Athena fell into this on accident. It was about a photo album that was discovered that was taken into a pawn shop that essentially is proving Unit 731 happened. What? And it just happened to stumble across my feed and it talked about like stuff. And the guy was like very careful about what he could and couldn't show on there because he's like, I think I need to turn this over to a museum. Like this is too much information for me. Yeah. I saved the video. I'll show it to Kylie afterwards and maybe we'll talk about it and post it. But it's wild. Dang. Okay. So sorry, guys. I said Egypt. So it reminded me to talk about my crazy shit. I'm going to remind you guys what we're talking about right now. I had just finished talking about the code name Project Safe Haven where the German scientists are being immigrated to other places that are friends with Germany. Okay. So in order to avoid complications involved with immigration of German scientists, the COS was responsible for scouting and kidnapping high-profile individuals to block technological advancements in nations outside the U.S. Like, oh, you wanted to do that one thing with that one guy? Nope, we're going to take him. So I like that they're like, (laughs) immigration seems bad. Kidnapping's okay, though. Right. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So a lot of the projects and groups always need more names, right? Obviously, we we got to have more. Right. So then they created the special section subdivision, also known as (laughs) Okay. What? It's SSS. The S. Um, I think they probably just called it the SSS or like sub or, you know, like special sub, something like that. Special sub. But they set up the enemy personal exploitation section and they managed and interrogated scientists that they could find to talk. OK, the enemy personal exploitation section, also known as EPES, EPES, was established as a detention center and they named that dustbin dustbin was an interrogation and detention center that would house anyone with special skills or knowledge for days weeks and sometimes even months there was an estimated 1800 technicians and scientists that were taken to these centers and they took their family members so there was another 3700 family members that were taken there were they together yeah it's not bad I'm not going to say the situations there were nice. It's not good. But it's, <laughs> but not it's better than bad. not having your family. Yeah. Yeah. On July 6, 1945, the United States JCS, which is the uh, JCS. Joint, the Joint Chiefs, Chiefs of, of Staff. Staff. Yeah. <laughs> the Joint Chiefs of Staff sent out a secret broadcast that was hidden from the president at the time, who was President Truman. And this memo is the exploration of German... Su- you got it we're gonna restart it you got it this memo was called the exploration of german specialists in science and technology in the united states and that would be the beginning of operation overcast oh so close (laughs) we've at least got one of the words so far so close you guys are like we're like four hours into this and we've (laughs) not even talked about operation paperclip once i know guys just wait (laughs) So for the two of you that are still listening that have made it this far, (laughs) the Joint Chief of Staffs established Operation Overcast on July 20th, 1945. And originally they said the point of this program was to assist in shortening the Japanese war and aid our post-war military research. Well, that's kind of weird because that's not what you guys said the first few times. The point of the program was to assist in shortening the Japanese war? Well, because we don't like Japan at this time. Right. No, I know. So we want to shorten it by, you know, nipping it in the bud. 
innocence. Interesting. In late summer of 1945, the Joint Chief of Staffs established JOIA, which is the Joint Intelligence Community, um, which is also known as the Joint Intelligence Objectives Agency, hence why it's called JOIA. But it was essentially a community that was directly overseeing Operation Overcast. The JOIA representatives included an Army Director of Intelligence, the Chief of Naval Intelligence, and the Assistant Chief of Air Staff 2, which was the Air Force Intelligence, also a representative from the State Department. So you got a little bit of all the important guys in there. Just a little bit. Just a little splash. Each one. (laughs) In November 1945, Operation Overcast... Are you ready? Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Drum roll. Was renamed Operation Paperclip. <laughs> oh, we're there. <laughs> Episode done. No. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Um, this ordinance of core officers would attach paperclips to the folders of rocket experts or like the scientists who they wanted to employ in the United States, hence the name. So essentially, literally, they were just like, this guy looks good. I'll put a paperclip on his on his little file and then I'll, you know, give all the files to someone later. It's like the and secret. Then, yeah, they would just flip through them and anyone that had a paperclip, you're hired. Anyone that didn't, sayonara, bitches. But hey, you had a staple. Sorry. <laughs> this is an operation staple, bitches. <laughs> For 16 months, President Truman was indecisive if Operation Paperclip was a good idea or if it should even happen. But then on September 3rd, 1946, President Truman officially approved Operation Paperclip and expanded it to include a thousand German scientists under temporary limited military custody. So he did not trust these people still. Well, would you? No. Okay, then. (laughs) But I'm just saying uh, the own president is not like giving the green light. He's giving a flashing yellow at this point. Right. But they're like, okay, green, zero to 100. We got it. President Truman said, hell yeah, brother. Brother. But he did not. (laughs) Albert Einstein and Eleanor Roosevelt publicly opposed, opposed the program, which are like, Again, really big people at this time. Right. Eleanor Roosevelt is the old first lady, previous first lady before Truman and stuff. And Albert Einstein is Albert Einstein. He is (laughs) Einstein. We know who Einstein is. Okay. So Einstein sent another letter. He just loves writing his letters to the presidents. He just has them. I mean, how else would you? I mean, what does he have all their like letters and like a little black book? I mean, their addresses. Or like, does he have like one of those little like Rolodex type things? And he's just like, President Roosevelt, no, I'm looking for. Oh, there he is, Truman. Ah, yes. White, number four, White House Lane. Okay, got it. <laughs> I don't think the Rolodex was a thing then. He made his own. He's Einstein, girl. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. So he wrote a letter to President Truman in 1946 about his feelings regarding Operation Paperclip. We hold these individuals to be potentially dangerous carriers of racial and religious hatred. Their former eminence as Nazi party members and supporters raises the issue of their fitness to become American citizens or hold key positions in American industrial, scientific, and educational institutions. If it is deemed imperative to utilize these individuals in this country, we earnestly petition you to make sure that they will not be granted permanent residence or citizenship in the United States with the opportunity which that would afford of Incult inculcating those anti-democratic doctrines which seek to undermine and destroy our national unity. But that's all. 
But that's all. <laughs> he's so pissed. He's a little upset. He doesn't even like hide how mad he is. He's just like, yo, bro. No, I don't want them here forever. I'm your scientist, not them. Do you think he feels a little jealous? You tell me how you tell me how you really feel. So Truman officially sanctioned the operation, but he forbade the intelligence from recruiting any Nazi members or active Nazi supporters. Huh. So the president said no. So how do we get around that? That's the first thought the Joya had. Right. So Joya appeased this because they bypassed it. Why? By eliminating and whitewashing incriminating evidence of war crimes from the records. So literally, they were like, you're a Nazi scientist? That got a little white out. Nope, you're just a scientist now. Look at that. Look at you crazy. (laughs) So he literally, and that's what whitewashing is, he doctored, uh, members of the Joya doctored everyone's credentials in a sense and showed that they weren't Nazis or supporters or Nazi scientists so that Truman would just see it and be like, oh, okay, they look good. They're just scientists that happen to just live in Germany. Okay, whatever. They lived in Berlin. Okay, they lived in Japan. Fine. They're good to go. They weren't bad guys. Hmm. But secretly, like, these guys lived and worked in concentration camps, even some of them. They were like those guys. The guys. Due to the belief that the scientists' intelligence would be crucial to the country's post-war efforts, a little whiteout never hurt anyone. little so i i have so many sources for tonight guys but i will talk about one of my favorite sources it's a book by annie jacobson annie tracked the history of 21 random members of operation paperclip to find out how much shady stuff was going on 21 members here are some of the statistics oh statistics. I didn't really put any letters besides the S in that one. Yeah, it's fine. Eight of the subjects had worked directly with Adolf Hitler or Heinrich Himmler. Fifteen of them were active Nazi party members. Ten of them served in the paramilitary squads like the SA or SS. There you go. Kylie, pronounce them for us. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Really weird German names. All right, moving on. Six of them were tried at the Nuremberg trials. So, yeah, like to give you an example of how these scientists were under the radar, like they weren't like though we could find that information out. But again, it was deemed that it's better there on our side than someone else's. So we just brushed it under the rug. Just a little white out here and there. I wonder if at that time the U.S. military was sponsored by whiteout. That's it, the only thing. Well, that is sense. it actually whiteout? Well, back then it probably wasn't, but yeah, white chalk markers. Yeah, like I wonder what they used. On November 5th, 1947, the Office of Military Government of the United States called OMGUS. OMG US. OMGUS. OMG US. (laughs) (laughs) They had jurisdiction over the western part of occupied Germany. OMGUS held a conference to consider the statue status. Sorry. Status of the evacuees and the monetary claims that the evacuees had that they filed against the United States. Their reasoning was due to possible violation by the U.S. of laws of war of rules of land warfare. 
So because they illegally took these people about and money. all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. They were like, yo, we're going to sue the U.S. government. Because money. So in 1948, the evacuees from Germany received settlements of 69.5 million Reichsmarks from the United States. Now, you would think that that's great, right? 69 million. That's, that's a lot, right? Well, the Reichsmark was the currency in Germany from 1924 to 1948. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was in Germany, but this all happened. And then it was replaced with what it currently is, the Dunschmark or whatever, Deutschmark, Deutschmark. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. So in 1948, they received their settlement, but then right afterwards in 1948, the money is replaced with something else. So literally it was devalued to like less than a 12th of that or something. Ouch. What disrespect. Couldn't you guys have waited until the people spent their money at least? That really sucks. And you can't, again, fight with the government probably to get reimbursed because you barely made it past the first round. Well, and you sued them, so they're they're not happy about it. Yeah. Now, during this time, several of the paperclip scientists, I say that with quotes around it, were investigated because of links with the Nazi parties. However, out of everyone that was like selected, only one was formally tried for their crimes. And that was George Reiki. On top of that, none of the paperclip scientists were actually found guilty of crimes in the United States or Germany. Because we whitewashed it. That's why. Right. Now, one of the most well-known recruits of Operation Paperclip. And this is why. And that's another reason why people say that this is like controversial and it didn't happen because they're like, well, if it would have happened, we would have had more evidence. That's what happens when you get rid of evidence. You don't have it yes right i'm glad we're understanding you're (laughs) connecting the dots thank you you're doing exactly what we're asking you to but this guy has a very lengthy list of him so it's easy to track him his name is werner von braun i don't know i gotta say i almost said von braun werner von braun i like eating oh fuck what's a german food stroop waffles (laughs) what Stroop waffles, those things at the store, they're like tiny little waffle grams and then they have caramel in the middle and you put them on top of your coffee and it heats up and then you eat it. Oh, they're Why German. Don't you just say like sauerkraut. My name's Wanda Von Braun. <laughs> I want big order of sauerkraut. <laughs> sauerkraut. <laughs> Take my Dunsmark and give me sauerkraut. <laughs> I'm so sorry, anyone that's listening. I'm not being mean. It's just a fun language. <laughs> Von Braun was the technical director at the Peenemünde Army Research Center in Germany. At this research facility, they developed the V2 rockets that destroyed England during World War II. So we they, could bring Corey in here to say them all. Yeah. You know, little guest speaker. Every few minutes, he's just like, Dunsmark. Okay. <laughs> right. He's Von like saying what, what we're actually trying to say and we're actually butchering it. Yeah. Von Braun and the other scientists were brought to Fort Bliss, Texas and the White Sands Proving Grounds of New Mexico. It was for War Department special employees to assist with the U.S. Army for rocket experimentation as part of programs. Now, here's some fun things. Von Braun specifically had in his file he was never a Nazi person. He didn't even support anyone in the Nazis He also only became a Nazi in 1939 because he was forced into it. Otherwise, he was going to be killed. And like he gave this sad, sad sob story in 1939. Keep that in mind, 1939, right? 
And he gave this horrific tale of how he never wanted to be a Nazi, but he was forced into it. And it was the worst experience of his life. Funny that you say that, Von Braun, dick fuck, (laughs) because we have evidence that on November 12th, 1937, you were issued membership number 5738692 and that you willingly joined the Nazi party and was a huge supporter. Suck on that, motherfucker. (laughs) That's what evidence gets you. Yeah. Think we lost all the paperwork. We didn't. But that's okay. We whitewashed it. So he was good to be part of the program. Right. So he worked for the United States Army on an immediate range ballistic missile program. And he's a large part of the space program. In fact, he was such a big part of the space program for the U.S. that we call him the father of space travel. I don't like or that. Or the father of rocket science. Nope. Or the father of the American Lunar Program. And we supported him. We actually gave him medals. We later discontinued the medals, so technically they're not valid anymore. He also worked with supposedly Walt Disney on films that popularized the idea of space travel to U.S. and beyond between 1955 and 57 to teach children about space. Wow. And we okayed it. Because it was whitewashed. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, okay, don't get me wrong, guys. Like this, what us doing Operation Paperclip is not the only shady thing happening during World War II. Like we know that other countries were whitewashing and doing the same thing as us. Now, for example, the Soviet Union had something called Operation Oshkavayan. And that's literally Operation Paperclip, but their version. In that program, they took an early morning of October 22nd, 1946, and the Soviet Union relocated over 2,500 former Nazi German specialists from companies, institutions, anything that was relevant to military in the Soviet occupational zone and moved them to a safer area. So they moved over 4,000 family members also. So they moved 6,000 people in the end. They literally just woke all these people up really fucking early and they had 92 freight trains outside and they were like, OK, load up the people, the machines, the research, the research center, the V2 rocket center of metalwork. Do it all. We're going to take it from Germany to the Soviet Union and call it a day. Done. And yet we were thinking they were our friends. Right. <laughs> and all of this is a precursor to MK Ultra. Project MK Ultra is a legal human experimentation program that began in the early 50s that are designed to develop procedures and identify drugs that could be used for interrogations to weaken individuals to force confessions through brainwashing and psychological torture. It's created by the CIA of the United States Army Biological Warfare Laboratories because we thought we needed to create new and better weapons to combat against our enemies. And a lot of that comes from the idea of what the Nazi scientists People taught us that we pretend aren't Nazi scientists, but that we're doing human testing. And then they brought their ideas over to us. And we're like, "Mm, okay, it worked. Sure. Do you see how this is all going downhill, people? Yeah. So there's that. Don't love that. So overall, Operation Paperclip, very bad idea. Um, That book I talked about, Annie Jacobson, she talks how heavily that it happened and like with the negative side effects of it, because not only was it like an ethical bad thing to do, but the monetary cost of the program, when you put it into perspective, is wild because what we did was we spent all this money to create all these weapons and everything. And the Nazi scientists paid for the development of the biological and chemical weapons. But then in the end, their weapons and everything, we had to do the cleanup and disposal. And that took us decades. And that cost us 30 billion dollars. 
So yeah, they gave us some money, but the cleanup that we had to do after everything and take care of all these other countries and everything cost us like 90 times more. Right. And we still let people get whitewashed. That makes so much sense. It's just ridiculous. So see, I can't really just tell you what Operation Paperclip is because then you're just gonna be like, okay, like that sounds bad, but it would have been a one page episode. Yeah. Like you need to know what they were doing that created them to be these people that created us to want them. That was the reasoning why and why we in the end wanted them and what we thought was happening. Because if I, if I just leave out a little bit, it starts to unravel and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Trust me, I've rewrote this outline tonight. Normally I rewrite outlines maybe once, maybe twice tops. I rewrote this one at least, at least 10 plus times. Like at one point I read it aloud to Margie and my mom because I was afraid that it made no sense. I read it and they were like, that is so much information and I understood nothing. You need to change it. Like that was not good. And I was like, yikes. Okay, cool, cool, uh, cool. So I started this one a while back, guys, because I knew I wanted to do it. History is hard for people that don't like want to hear it. Yeah, I can't. You have to keep it interesting for me to stay interested the whole time. And you I feel like because, okay, I went all over the place tonight. But if I didn't go all over the place, it kind of got boring. But also when you go all over the place, you have to run the risk of them getting lost Mm -hmm. very easily. Mm -hmm. And so you got to stay directly on topic while branching off topic, but staying on but topic staying at the same there, time. Yeah. And it's like, where's the good medium? Right. But yeah, during, I mean, we all know World War II was fucking insane. Right. So during World War II, the German combined army forces committed tons of systematic war crimes that included massacres, mass rape, looting, the exploitation of forced labor, the murder of multi-million POWs, and mass genocide. So I just wanted to talk about some of the other things that we obviously forgot to mention but i'm sure you all know because we all took the same high school courses mostly so we all have heard about the holocaust and everything but i'm just gonna remind everyone real quick some of the things that were happening over in germany and areas during the time that these nazi scientists were working over there and were okaying things that we then allowed to come over here they would dig up mass graves and then burn them to get rid of the evidence that the mass grave existed they would do mass executions by hanging like all the time, there was this one point where they did such a big mass one that they hired a crane and hung dozens of people at a time while their hands were tied and boards were put in their mouths to prevent screaming. And it was like this big thing and people knew about it. Like it's in it was it was in my history book. It wasn't in a lot of people's. Yeah, I don't remember also, that at all. But it was like in one of the battles like this is a big thing. Um, And that was brought up during the Nuremberg Nuremberg trials is that specific hanging because they're like you literally went out and made bigger hanging things and you bought cranes you did things you did you did things to make this more horrific like what regular the hanging wasn't good enough for yeah, you yeah like how the fuck are you so fucked up that you don't see why this is wrong another thing that i focused in on high school which is a deep depression hole that you will not want to get into is middle Baldora. it is a concentration camp uh at the Garlagon massacre it is uh okay the M- middle Baldora is a concentration camp while removing the people of middle Baldora, they had the Garlagon massacre and it is one of the horrific massacres i've heard to give you like a short example they made people do like a 
similar to like the trial of tears and stuff like that, a walk. And it was called an extermination walk because they knew you would die on it. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't feed you. They would beat you. They would have you be in horrific conditions. Well, then if you tried to stop, pause or do anything, they would just shoot you point blank. And obviously, but then what they did was they made a bunch of the people that were doing worse than other people. There was like thousands. I want to say it was like at least one to two, maybe 5,000 most. They made them walk to an area and it was at that Gardeligan, however you pronounce it. I'm probably still fucking it up. Gardeligan, Gardeligan. They made them march to a barn and the people were like, what are we doing in a barn? They're like, we're going to rest for the night. So they told everyone to go in the barn and everyone was like, it kind of smells odd in here. What's happening? Then the guards barricaded them in and they lit it on fire. And what they did was they soaked all the straw in gasoline and then people were burning to death and the smell was so horrific and people weren't noticing it. So they were trying to tunnel and like dig under the barn to get out and they were getting shot and attacked by the guards and all this stuff. And it was so fucking horrific. Well, then they left to join the other people. But then people were like, no, you got to go get rid of the evidence that that happened yesterday. That massacre was too big of a deal. So they were going to go and burn the rest of the people that tried to get out or any of the people that didn't burn correctly the first time. All this shit. Right. But the U.S. and British soldiers happened to connect with them right then. And they're like, oh, fuck. No, you're not getting rid of this evidence. We want to fucking know what the fuck you just did, motherfuckers. (laughs) And we just happened to catch them in passing at the right times. And we confronted them and we found out about this. Otherwise, we would have never even known about this to happen, potentially. Like they may have just literally gotten rid of enough evidence. It's a really bad one to learn about. It's a really rough concentration camp also. And again, I talk about... um, Auschwitz, obviously, everyone knows about Auschwitz. But if you want to know about another one, uh, Sachsenhausen, the Berlin one that uh, Stalin's son was at, that one's a wild one. We all know uh, Joseph Mengel, the experiment guy that would take the twins and do all this fucked up shit on them. Uh, He also did the heinous medical acts of vivisection, where like you are awake and he takes off one of your body parts and attaches it to another place of your body or Mm -hmm. to another person. Or like he's the one that also like sewed kids back to back and was like, okay, can you function like a normal human now? And like he liked Siamese twins and he tried to recreate them. And so it was a bad time. It was a bad time in history. Um, It was. A lot of experiments that shouldn't have been experiments. There was a lot of a lot of things that should not have just been right no just no (laughs) i lay i don't even know where to go anymore with my sentences because it's a rough thing to talk about world war ii because also you have i mean like i know we joke around we're gonna do an episode uh, i think in december we're doing like a flat earth society episode and stuff and like it's kind of fun to joke about people that are non-believers or that are believers of certain things like Scientology or like Christianity, uh, 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 what is that thing called? I just said it. Flat Earth, things like that. Like sometimes you can kind of poke fun at certain things or Catholicism, you know, like, you know, but then there are people that are rock hard solid about it. But then there are people that don't believe in the Holocaust. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, how? No. Tell me how. Like, I get how some people could have said Unit 731 maybe didn't happen because we yeah. didn't have the information. Right. But we have enough to go off that we do know it happened. But like this and everything about World War II, Operation Paperclip, all this stuff, we have enough information. This existed. That's why I don't understand how Operation Paperclip can all be controversial. We have enough information. It's not controversial. It happened. Yes, we know you're embarrassed, U.S., but this was your fuck up. Own up to it. You're doing shady shit. Uh 
own up to it. Right. So there's I'm welcome. Yep. Yep. I'm done. I'm just going to talk about my sources. Um, (laughs) So my it is nine o'clock. It's nine o'clock. Yeah. You said it's 10 o'clock. When did I say that? 30 seconds ago. What did you say to me? I said it's done and you said it's nine o'clock. Said, welcome to my TED talk. TED talk. <laughs> I thought you were putting me on a timer, being like, it's 10 o'clock, Athena, wrap up the episode. And I was like, damn, Kylie, it's not even 10 o'clock. It's 9.15. TED talk. TED talk. It's <laughs> 9 o'clock, guys, <laughs> for the TED talk. Tune in at 9 p.m. Okay, so I used so many sources. I listed the ones I got the really vital information for. And if you really want to dig, dig into this and like delve deeper, it's a lot. All right. Ready? Okay. I, uh, my most important book was Operation Paperclip, the secret intelligence program that brought Nazi scientists to America by Annie Jacobson. I also looked into the Operation Paperclip, a profound impact on the Cold War in American history by Julio Ruter. Oh, I also read Operation Paperclip between Germany and America, how it happened in the information after World War II by O.C. Slothauer. I also read... <laughs> Like I said, I've been doing this one for weeks. The Making of the Atomic Bomb by Richard Rhodes. The Nazi Science Myth, Truth, and Atomic Bomb by Mark Walker. Operation Paperclip, Original Files of Secret United States Intelligence Program by Globe Edition. It's like a history book type thing. Then I watched two documentaries. They were okay. They teach you enough to get you by, but it's not a good enough deep dive. (coughs) And take enough breath. (laughs) two different documentaries uh operation paperclip the secret recruitment and camp confidential america's secret nazis i'm pretty sure globe edition and yeah now that you say it i feel like that was like the history book brand yeah yeah and i mean it read exactly like a history book it just helped me verify dates and stuff realistically it wasn't like super great it just helped me uh narrow shit down which was super helpful because after i wrote everything i was like oh shit i should have moved that two paragraphs up oh shit i should move that two paragraphs down you know yeah so i'm sorry if this episode was not your vibe guys but if it was and you want to keep talking you know who to call me i will talk your ear off on accident not the ghostbusters no not them they know nothing so this a little bit about some uh, history that you fucked up recently. Okay. Uh, I had a listener tell me about this. Okay. Um, who was it that assassinated Lincoln? I thought it was Wilkes Booth, was it not? Yeah. But you said George Wilkes Booth. And it's John. <laughs> <laughs> of it i did not realize i said george did well, really? also well i guess i didn't go back and like re-listen but i know that you talk quickly sometimes and you might have said john but it sounds like george no george sounds off the top of my head maybe like something i would say george and john sound good enough yeah i think i could interchange those names okay all right listener one point <laughs> to you i don't know who you are but you know what go you you just got kylie's gonna add an extra entry to the giveaway for you Just for that. Yeah. I'll do that. There you go. That person gets an extra entry. Okay. 
No one else gets to do this game. Don't fucking go re-listen to episodes. No. Don't ever question me again. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, that was that's fun. I really had no idea I said that. That's crazy. I found one that I did that way a long time ago where yeah. I did something where it was something I said backwards. I almost said like, oh, that happened in 1992 when it happened in 1993 or something. And I didn't realize I it. No, I think it was a person. I remember what you're talking about. I just don't remember the. But I've specifics. done that one or two other times where I was so close, but I'm just slightly off. But I got a lot of knowledge up here, guys. If I'm only off every so often, that's pretty good, I think, for my standards. Yeah. Seeing as how I don't fucking know how to read or write, clearly. What was that one that was at the very beginning? I wrote scientists. Did you see that? No. <laughs> at one point, I wrote scientists, like your titties, like boobs, like instead boobs. of scientists. And I was just like, I'm just going to go. I'm not even going to comment on that. So thank you guys for listening. And thank you to everyone that make this podcast what it is. You guys are all part of the CSP family and we love each and every one of you. You guys are super helpful. Always the biggest thanks to Corey at core.media.photography for doing our editing every week. Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Cryptic Soup Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. It's funny. Did anybody buy the new Sims? Because their social media, when you when you do a, a flirty thing, it says slide into those DMs. And I laughed. They took it from us. Which, by the way, guys, if you bought the new Sims game, you can talk to Kylie. If you bought the new Pokemon, you can talk to Thena. And if you're still playing Dreamlight Valley, talk to both of us. We love video games. We'll talk to you. Yeah. Or League of Legends. I'm well, always I was, here. I, I was talking about new games, I guess I should say, because oh, those are yeah, ones yeah. that like, or if you want to talk about the new Breath of Wild coming out later, yeah, but let's talk. League is ch- making some changes. Let me tell you. I wouldn't know. You don't play with me. <laughs> no. No, you are always welcome to play with me. No, you you play when Shiro's All right, anyway. (laughs) You can also join the Facebook, which, yes, we are recreating. Um, We're going to link that soon. Hoping it will be some form of Cryptic Soup Pod. Cryptic. Cryptic. Cryptic Soup Podcast. Something along those lines. Uh, We'll let you know. So follow the Facebook to learn more. Uh, In this group, we will post further updates on our lives or cases. Um, So join us and hang out on the socials to stay up to date and be a part of the CSP fam. All of our links can be easily found also at thecrypticsouppod.com as well. Also on crypticsouppod.com, we set up the request folder, which is open to 2023 requests and suggestions. There's like a thing that says like request a case or like a case submission type thing. Um, If you click it, it just you fill it out. It sends us the email and then we put it on the docket. I usually try to get back to you within 48 to 72 hours to tell you when the approximate date I can fit that in the schedule is. If it's a longer episode, it sometimes takes me a little bit longer. It might be like the next month. But lately, I've been almost doing it the same month someone requests something or the the very next month. I've been doing pretty decent. We have a request next month, um, things like that. So or sometimes we already have it ready to go. Yeah, (laughs) that's sometimes the part, too. So thank you to everyone that leaves an Apple podcast review and ratings or even a Spotify rating. It helps get our name out there um, and it helps to just make us feel all warm and fuzzy at night. So warm and fuzzies. (laughs) So remember, guys, subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us, enter the giveaway and remember to join the conversation where we'll see you next Tuesday for the next episode. Stay tuned. 
Due to the belief that the scientist's intelligence would be crucial. What did I even knock over? The mouse? Was it? I don't know. That's what it sounded like. Nothing fell. Okay, whatever. Truman of... Oh, shit, where am Due I? Due to the belief. 